welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I'm here with Jen Perez, the Provider Relations Specialist at Employee and Family Resources. Jen, you're on the podcast. Oh no, it's great. This is exciting because Jen is our number one listener. At least I think she's our number one listener. So uh, I'm excited to have this conversation because you had approached me a few months ago saying, I'd love to be on your podcast and talk about some of my life experiences. And normally when I'm looking for someone to be a guest on Emotion Well, I'm looking for someone who can speak to a specific topic. So emotional abuse, postpartum OCD, living a sober lifestyle, harm reduction strategies. And this is kind of the opposite. You came to me and just said, I want to share some things about my life that I think could be relatable and helpful. And I said, yes. And so here we are. So go ahead and, and share a little bit about yourself, your comfort level, and then we'll get into our conversation. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I do love this podcast a lot. Um, learned a lot about other people as well. Um, I have to give credit to my family. I have an amazing husband, three kids, a daughter-in-law, and two puppies. Um, I've coached in the school district, and I've worked in direct care. Um, I'm a helper and would give my shoes to anyone that needs them. And what's direct care for our listeners so they yeah. understand So that direct better. care is helping youth, uh, working with youth and or helping adults that are in need. Okay. And tell us a little bit about maybe your earlier years or just some general things about your life that either um, maybe people that know you better would know or people that know you really well may be surprised that you're sharing these things. Sure. Um you know, I've dealt with some secondary trauma in my life, which secondary trauma is hearing trauma of others and helping relate and deal with them. Um, my bi- biological dad struggled with uh, addiction, and I've dealt with depression myself. All right. And how did you come to realize that your life could improve uh, or be changed in a positive way through support. I know you've been really open about going to counseling. And so when you came to me with this um, idea to be on the podcast, you said, I'd like to share how counseling has made a difference in my life. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah, how did you come to realize at what point in your life did you think, oh my gosh, this is something that I would benefit from? Right. So I'm a pretty strong-willed person. Those that know me know I'm pretty direct, strong-willed, and I will muscle through about anything I have to to get through it. Um, I have said that I dealt with a lot of um, secondary trauma and needed to kind of figure out an outlet for that. Um, I did not do this on my own. Um, an old coworker and um, a boss um, suggested to seek some counseling for the secondary trauma that I had endured. Um, they took the time to find a good fit for me. Nice. Um, because I do have, you know, I would say a different personality. I'm fun going, but I am direct. And, you know, you need to get to know me a little bit more. And I've learned to, like, just talk to other people about, you know, what I have endured to help other people. Um, and they had asked me to go to two sessions. And I went to two sessions. And the two sessions turned into two and a half years of amazing headspace for me. Great. So for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with secondary trauma, and you don't have to cite specific examples of 
how you came to experience secondary trauma, but can you just share a little bit about what that is and how it has affected your life? Sure. So um, secondary trauma, how I endured it was working with youth in the community and listening to their stories of struggle, abuse, addiction, sex trafficking, and hearing and being an authentic listener to them so they could have somebody to release that worry that they had to help them get the help that they needed. Um, I'm a helper and I will help and help and help Mm -hmm. through and through. But hearing all these stories and authentically listening to them and trying to help them, I did not have a very good separation of separating my feelings and how I was feeling to anybody, I would listen and just kind of continue to listen and listen and listen and didn't realize it was building up and sure. taking away a lot of headspace. And and you're holding a lot of that, I would imagine, yep. taking it home with you. How many years did that go on? How many years were you in that direct care space where you were being a helper, a listener, exposed to other people's trauma? I would say probably altogether about seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. And then... After that seven years, when did the counseling come in? The counseling came in in about year five. Okay. And how did you feel after you spoke with a counselor about the experiences that you'd been living? Yeah, it was it was tough to kind of, you know, we opened up about a few things. And after my first week of sessions. I did two sessions in one week and that was, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, those that have been to therapy probably understand when I say after a therapy session, you just have a lot of feelings like you're tired, you're fatigued and just like, Oh, that was a lot to unload Uh and like just figuring out how to process from there and, and kind of move on. Um, so we did two, two sessions a week, um, for a few weeks and you know, talking just didn't really get anywhere. And I was just kind of struggling of like, I have like just like random um, tornado like thoughts that I would just kind of throw out. And we decided to talk about other options because, you know, there's there's a lot of options when it comes to therapy. You can just sit there and talk. Um, my therapist um, talked about EMDR, right. which is the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Yes. Um, after my first session of that, I felt very amazed on how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have thought that like tapping your fingers for a minute and like talking would actually be a thing? Yeah. But it, I had amazing results and I felt like we were getting through all the file cabinets that I had stored away. Yeah. I've also done EMDR and I, I don't do the tapping. I do, I hold on to these little sensors and I get the vibrations, but, um, For people who don't know much about EMDR, it is uh, a form of therapy that people who've experienced trauma often find success with. And however, EMDR, because you're recalling past traumas Mm -hmm. or sometimes falsely held beliefs about yourself, um, it can it can be difficult. And so sometimes you have to stop during a session. Um, In my experience with EMDR, I've done about eight sessions on one specific um, life event, falsely held self-belief. And I was exhausted after the sessions, uh, but I was able to get my anxiety 
talking about that event from where we started at a 10 all the way down to a zero, which is the goal of EMDR. Now, when I encounter situations that trigger me, I still have a spike in anxiety, but I'm never at a 10 like I used to be. Um, And I can bring myself down more quickly. So I'm glad you tried EMDR and... I'm just curious, is that something that, do you think it's made a, was that the game changer for you or was it counsel? Like, do you feel like there's been a game changer? Um, you know, when, um, my therapist, huge shout out to her, it's Heather Hermanson. Um, she has an office in Grimes. Um, she was just like, listen, Prez, she called me by my last name. It's like, Prez, like, we need to figure out this. Like, I see the trauma in you. I hear it, but like, we need to get it out of you. Um, so she, uh, was just like, sit back, relax, and think about all those years ago when you were younger, like, what is the first memory you can remember? Yeah. And I remember, I, I remember something from when I was four. I don't remember what it was now. So we started EMDR processing from the age of four all the way up until my birthday of last year. Wow. And so we unloaded a lot of different files from different eras of my life Uh um and each time I went and did this I could just feel like more and more headspace becoming more and more clear for me yeah I could just didn't have all those things piling up and we figured out what triggers I had or what set off my triggers so I was able to figure out my own grounding or breathing that I needed to do so my anxiety wouldn't spike when those things happened. Yeah. Do you do any kind of breathing techniques or grounding techniques when you're feeling your anxiety? Um, I do. Mm-hmm. I do about five deep breaths. And then I um, also count to 10, one through 10, and then 10 to one. And um, that usually helps. Um, nice. And those are situation. things you can do in any situation. You Correct. can do them driving. You can do them in a team meeting. Mm-hmm. You can do them when you're talking to your husband. You can do them at a football game, you know, yep. wherever you are. Um, so you mentioned you have three kids and a husband. When you were starting this process of, you know, seeking some help for your mental health, did you talk to your husband or your kids? Did you let them know what was going on? Yep, 100%. I mean, they, they know the craziness of mom's worlds of being a helper. Um, we've had many youth in and out of our home helping them as well so they are helpers also um you know when I said hey I'm gonna go and do this and you know it's okay if any of you want to go and seek you know therapy on Mm -hmm. your own as well um I did have some of my children did um some therapy sessions which I'm grateful for um but they were always supportive and they knew like you know after that first session I was like listen like that was a lot I need to like go listen to some music. Um, music is a huge thing that helps calm me also, um, or go for a walk. And they knew on my therapy session days, Hey, mom needs a, you know, yeah. some, some her time just to kind of decompress and, you know, get back into the groove of things. So they're extremely supportive in all aspects of that. That's great. Do you feel like I'm, just, this is kind of a, this is a random question. It wasn't one I gave you in advance. Okay. Um, how do you think your life would have been different had you started counseling before you started counseling? It's a great question. I should have. I think about this with myself all the time. That's why I'm asking you. I should have long ago. um, My parents were divorced and I feel like I should have probably done some therapy in my younger ages, but back in the day, therapy really wasn't a thing. Um, I grew up in a small town, a farm town, and there I really never knew a therapist. I knew my school counselor and I'd go and kind of chit chat with them a little bit. Um, 
you know, and everyone, I feel like every youth or person has that safe person. And I had a high school math teacher who was kind of my safe person. And I would, you know, kind of bounce some things off her. And, you know, she would give me some advice. And until I, you know, moved up to Des Moines and learned more about the therapy world, I, I should have. Yeah. But I thought I was a strong-willed person, too, and didn't need it. And the strong needed, too. Yeah. I think, like, in my experience, I felt like if I admitted to someone else that I was struggling, wow, what does that mean about me? Yep. You know? And it's all it means is that I'm human. Correct. And we all struggle from time to time. And I think about, I've had different iterations of counseling. And I had, I started with a counselor who was a really good fit for this specific set of circumstances in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. And then after four years, I felt like we kind of had outgrown each other. And I think she was in agreement that, then what was happening in my life, she wasn't maybe the best counselor for that set of circumstances. And so I think that's important for people to, like you said, when you first started, um, well, when when your colleague and your leader suggested counseling, they also were like, we need to find the right fit for you. And I think that's really important because sometimes the first counselor you visit is not the right fit and you might need to change, you know, to someone who you have a better rapport with, or in some situations, they just have uh, a background in counseling for specific areas. So it could be trauma, it could be substance use disorder, it could be um, grief. It, you know, not all counselors are able to do EMDR. You know, that's that's something that, for example, if you're listening and you have EFR's EAP benefit, e- EMDR would not be something that you would get through an EAP counseling session. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to go out on your own and find a counselor that can do EMDR, that is, a, you know, a, a treatment. It's a form of treatment that you could get um, outside of an EAP benefit per se. So I just think it's important for people listening if, if they're thinking about a counselor, you know, be specific, especially if you're calling into EFR to use your EAP benefit. Let us know and when we answer the phone what's going on so that we can, you know, find the right, the right fit for you. Um, how about... What would you say to someone who's on the fence? Because I think we live on the fence uh-huh. a lot, a lot of times in life with regard to so many different things. Right. So the first thing I would say is um, when I started, it was kind of going that COVID ramping up. And so all of my sessions were telehealth. Okay. And so I know people are like telehealth, telehealth, or I need in person, I need in person. I was one of those persons that was like, I want to be in person. Yeah. But that wasn't an option for me. So I had to like sit back and like figure this out very quickly of like, okay, I've got to break that barrier down of the in-person is kind of out the window. So I had to do telehealth. And I will tell you, um, after session one, I felt a lot more comfortable. My therapist was very open and you're in your own space. Like you pick where you want to do your sessions at. So I sat on the couch and had my feet up and was like very comfortable and my body was at ease going into something that I didn't really know where it was going to go. So telehealth um, is an amazing option. And I know a lot of people struggle with, I want to be in front of that person. Mm -hmm. Um, But remember, you're going to be in your own safe space doing that telehealth. So I feel like that's a win-win for some people also. take the step forward in finding like in finding the right fit for yourself like you talked about 
it may not be the first therapist. You may have to go to another therapist, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But starting the process is huge. Mm -hmm. Starting it is huge. And we all need a person in our life that we can unload all the things we want to say. But to somebody who's non-biased, non-judgmental. Yeah, they have no... They have no knowing of really who you are. Yeah, it's That is what's a big differentiator between talking to a friend Mm -hmm. and talking to a counselor is that... You know, the counselor is going to be very, you know, open to listening to what you have to say. Um, In my experience, not giving advice, listening. And oftentimes, like, when I go into a counseling session, I'll bring something up. And then as I'm talking, I'll be like, well, I just answered my next question. You know, I hear myself. I hear the solution through what I'm saying. Right. Um, For me, counseling has been a lot about self-awareness. And in you know, in the sessions and outside of the sessions, but especially in the sessions, I'll be talking and then I'll be getting to kind of the end of whatever I'm talking about. And it's like, and that, okay, now I'm understanding why this is happening because I'm just talking about it and someone is listening. I think with um, the different, another big difference between friends and, and a counselor is that friends often don't know what to do with the information you're sharing. And so they try to be solution oriented. And sometimes you just want someone to listen And so I don't need a solution. I just need someone to listen because it feels good to talk about things. And when you talk about things, they become real. Correct. And then, of course, if you're in a situation where a counselor is going to provide help for you for the next steps, whatever it is, and that person is there and they they are skilled and able to do that. I think friendship is really important and talking to friends is really important. But I think um, it's also really good to have that non-biased, non-judgmental person in your life as well. Yeah. Um, so while we're kind of talking about counseling and friends, there's also an option through EFR called Together All. It's an online peer support community. It's anonymous and it is moderated by counselors. So what that means is that, um, you know, you're not going to go online and get bullied. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like a social media platform, but I don't know. Have you joined it? I have. Okay. I've joined it as well. And I've, I've been on a few times and I've commented on some posts, but you can connect with people who have similar lived experiences. I think to your point, um, you know, be mindful of what you're exposing yourself to, right? Because for people um, who are kind of helper driven, mm-hmm. um, you might take on too much, right? Yeah. Um, yep. But you can give and get support through Together All. It's a great, great resource through Employee and Family Resources, and I'll link to that in our show notes. If you have our EAP, you can sign up for that. Um, what is your? What do you? I know you listen to Emotion Well because mm-hmm. you're a fan yes. girl. But what else do you like to listen to? Uh, so I don't listen to a lot. Um, I'm a very sports oriented person. You know that we've talked sports. Um, I know a lot about sports. So my only other two podcasts that I flip on sometimes is the new heights, um, the Kelsey brothers, and then wash up walk-ons with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now is the new heights podcast with the Kelsey brothers about sports or is it about, it's just about taking your life to new heights. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just, I've I've listened to three of them. And the only reason I listen is because I like um, it's Jason's wife, Kylie. Okay. I, I, I love her when she comes on there. She's so real and authentic. And uh, being an NFL wife sometimes can take you down different fan roads. Yeah. And she's just like, nope, I am who I am. And I just love her because of that. That's really cool. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast and now being on our podcast. Right. It's, it's been great to have you on. Anything else you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? You know, there's multiple ways that you can reach out. Um, even if you don't have our EAP, you can still reach out and we can help find whatever we need to for you. Um, there's many avenues that you can go to get help. So 
if you're feeling like you just need to talk to somebody, reach out to somebody to get the help that you need. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have our EAP, it's 800-327-4692. Life happens. We're here to help. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Casey Johnson.